Radio Mano Papachango. Tribeca neighborhood of Manhattan. It's a sunny day. It's a sunny, beautiful day in the neighborhood. And this is an episode with the great Duncan Trussell. Nobody like him. Nobody in all the world quite like Duncan Trussell. I think we can say that safely. Uh, He's one of my favorite people on the planet Earth and any other planets that may be inhabited I don't know what their inhabitants are like, but they're not quite like Duncan Trussell. Uh, I'm not even going to talk a lot. Uh, I'm not going to do any ranting and raving because Duncan and I rant and rave together like an orchestra of ranting and raving. So I think I'm just going to keep this short and sweet. I'm here in Manhattan right now doing this um, promotion for the movie Monogamish, directed by my pal Tal Ruspoli, who has appeared on this podcast several times. You know him if you are a regular listener. And you also know his mother, Deborah Berger, um, who was on... uh, 50 episodes or so back. I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are, but you could just go to tangentiallyspeaking.com and find everything. It's all there. It's all there. Just search Tangentially Speaking and Deborah Berger and you'll find that episode or the Tal Ruspoli episodes. They're all in there and the other Duncan episodes. Now, if you know people who you think would benefit from listening to the sort of random nonsense that this podcast specializes in, uh, but they don't have time to listen to podcasts or they don't like listening to podcasts, but you think that the material would appeal to them. You think they might learn something or might open their minds. You want to contaminate them with some of the ideas that, um, spread out from this podcast like a virus vector, uh, I would highly recommend that you get them a copy of Tangentially Reading, the new book that is coming soon from Misfit Press. Um, And if you're thinking you might want to do this, please do it now because we're doing this pre-order thing and that's how we finance the printing of the books. It's We thought of doing a Kickstarter, um, but we decided we'll just sort of run it through as a pre-order because it's it's we intend to produce the book. So what you're doing by ordering it now is you're financing the production so it doesn't have to come out of my pocket and the pocket of Misfit press because there our pockets are relatively empty uh to be honest with you so by all everybody who uh wants a copy of the book pre-ordering it rather than waiting till it's ready to ship we'll get it uh in production a lot quicker and be able to finance it without you know me having to live on beans and rice and move out of my apartment and live in the van which is probably um you know, might not be such a bad thing, but I like my little apartment. It's a very minimal 
apartment. And when I'm not there, my friends live in it. So you'll be making all of us. You no, know, you'll be making them homeless. I got a van. <laughs> I'll, I'll be all right. But it's my friends who stay there when I'm not around who uh, really are going to be in trouble. So anyway. I won't whine and complain about that. But if you're thinking about getting a book, which I hope you will, because it's full of original art uh, by Adam McDade, who listens to the podcast. Uh, As I've said before, it's produced by Misfit Press, who are fans of the podcast. We've had AJ on, who started Misfit Press um, with some of his friends and partners. And we uh the transcriptions have been done by listeners many of you listening to my voice right now have contributed to the book and uh so it's a it's a community project i'm really proud of it i'm really happy about the way it's come together and uh duncan is featured in the book as is joe rogan speaking of which i hung out with duncan the other night in brooklyn and uh had a great time I can't tell you most of the things we did um, because, you know, it's confidential and probably illegal in most districts. Um, But we had a good time. And uh, one of the things that came up is Duncan's going to be in L.A. uh, pretty soon. And then I was texting with Joe, congratulating him on his new studio And Joe knows Duncan's going to be in town. So Joe's like, hey, let's do another shrimp parade in my new studio. And I said, fuck yeah. And so it's all sort of now it's a scheduling thing, but looks like we're all going to be in L.A. So hopefully that's going to happen soon, which a lot of people have been requesting incessantly. So uh, and hey, I get it. I I love it when the three of us get together. Um, But. Uh, you know, it's been a scheduling uh, conundrum for a while when we're in different parts of the world, but looks like we're all going to be in the same part of the world. So we're going to do that. Anyway, if you enjoy that three-way conversation between Joe Duncan and me, again, that's featured in Tangentially Reading. There's a, a whole chapter of the three of us ranting and raving. And then I think there's a separate chapter with just Duncan and me, if I'm remembering correctly. But there's also, I mean, Tal Ruspoli, who I mentioned earlier, is featured in the book. Josh Fox, Andrew Weil, Mary Roach, um, uh, The Iceman, Wim Hof. There's so many interesting people that I've had the privilege, thanks to you, um, to hang out with. And uh, who make people make time, people find time when you say, yeah, it's me and, you know, 50,000 listeners are like, oh, I, I've got two hours on Wednesday. Um, so really, you you are you are responsible for a lot of the the high quality guests. People are very busy. So anyway, that's my pitch. Please help us get this book in production by pre-ordering it. Uh, today and just google tangentially reading that'll take you to the order page or you can go if you happen to listen to this podcast through the site tangentiallyspeaking.com you'll see the uh the graphic display there in the right margin just click on that and it'll take you directly to the order page and you also see there's some bonus stuff if you buy five copies there's i forget what the bonus is but um 
you know, you join a, I think it's a group Skype call, you order 10 copies, it's a personal Skype call with me. And uh, I don't know, I forget what the different things are. They're all delineated there. I think there's one level where we'll get together for a drink if you're in LA and, and I'm in LA and uh, whatever it is. Um, so there are those bonus things. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I'm done. I'm going to play a song uh, by a band that I, I feature a lot on this podcast. Um, orchestra Baobab, just because they're so fucking funky and cool. Uh, and this is from a record called Specialist in All Styles, <laughs> which is really, I like that. Specialist in All Styles. Yeah. The song's called uh, Bulma Min, which is spelled B U L, and then the next word is M A, and then M I. I-N, it looks like. I'm not sure if those are two eyes or just one eye. Um, Bulmamin, Orchestra Baobab. Have a good time. Dance around. You got about six minutes of dancing ahead of you. And then it'll be Duncan and me, hopefully, making your mind dance. So, hope you enjoy this episode. And thank you for all you do to support this podcast and other cool things that are happening in the world. Be good out there, or at least be good at being bad. Catch you next time.
Hotel in Portland, Oregon, uh, with Duncan Trussell, who is summoning Satan. Satan. That's what he does. That's what he does, and he hasn't even had his whole coffee yet. No. And you're already summoning Satan. What yeah. the fuck, man? So we just did this uh, float conference. What, what did they call it? The keynote. We did the keynote yesterday. Yes, that's a big. That's a big deal, dude. You I and know. me. We were up there. We keynoted the fuck out of this conference. Except we don't know much about floating. I mean, people. There was a couple of <laughs> people who I who definitely aren't 
don't know us, probably more than a couple. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the, the, some of them were asking us, like, so what kind of tank would you recommend buying? Oh, exactly right. Yeah, if you had a float business, what would you call it? And that what was tank a fun question, buy? but the tank question's really weird because it's kind of probably a little political, you know, because our right. friends make tanks. Yeah. And you want to make sure that they get, yeah. they get the cred. Yeah, well, Kevin, I mean, see, the Kevin's the only guy I know who actually makes tanks. So yes. we both uh, defaulted to Kevin Johnson and his beautiful tanks. Uh, but I, some of those in the lobby were really sweet. Like when oh you said God. it looked like a Toyota, it's, it's like amazing. glossy black. It's incredible to watch it, be, to watch it flourish as a business. It's so cool, man. Yeah. It's really cool to see the yeah. insane, beautiful, sleek tanks that they're making really i mean it made me wish i mean this is this is life right this is the thing about life you you have one thing and you sort of start wishing you yeah. had the other right so often in my my life i mean i remember for example i was in the canary islands last summer you ever been out there no oh fuck beautiful beautiful i had this i was in grand canaria and there are like these houses that are caves and then they sort of build out the front and they're just beautiful, like, wow. you know, just, and I thought, man, that's the house for me, you know? I'm driving by and like, oh, you know, a cave house, yeah. that would really fit my brand, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Satan. <laughs> that's when you want it. to talk about Satan, that's now it. that is Lucifer sitting next to you in the Canary Islands. Look, Chris. Chris, you want one of those. Chris, your brand Pe people is would, in that cave. People would love you even more, Oh, Chris. and then the fantasies they talk of people about coming you. to see yeah. the fucking house. <laughs> exactly. Because who's really going to exactly. come? Like, how many people a year? Let's say it's yeah. 15. Fucking Canary Islands. You're in the fucking I can hardly Canary get Island. you to come to Room 425, yeah, man. <laughs> Actually, I'm probably more likely to fly to the Canary <laughs> Islands than, than to go to the Well, anyway, so I was thinking about that. And then, of course, you know, the other side kicks in. Like, oh, I have a house. Who's going to take care of it? Who's going to, like, oh. Because I'm thinking, same thing. You see someone with a really cool dog. And you're like, oh, I'd love to have a dog a like French that. French bulldog, yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, would you really? Would you? Their fucking intestinal tracts. They sneeze out their guts because they've been... <laughs> They've been inbred so many times. They'll sometimes they'll just sneeze their brains out. And if they're oh, no. not doing that, they're blasting Hiroshima-level farts. Uh, which, you know, there's only room for one of us who do that I know. in my house. That's so yeah. they're little fart tubes. But I know what you mean. Yeah. You see this beautiful you dog. You just want it. And then you don't think through the implications, like who's going to take care of it. And that means I can't fly. Or yeah. I can't go do this. I can't do that. And hey, you got to walk and all. Anyway, so I'm looking at those float tanks yesterday, and it's like, oh one of those yeah my life would be so much better if mm. i had one of those sweet 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 tanks tanks it just opens up and you crawl Solves in there the whenever you want you've got like your i mean did you like hide in the closet when you were a kid did you like get under the coats and shit and just like no you know yeah i know what you mean like there was a little in one of the houses we lived in there was a secret room that mm. i guess was for storing shit a little storage place but it was like you had to remove a panel and yeah there's something cool about going in there and just having a secret place, huddling in this yeah. in the darkness. As no a kid. one knows where you are. Yeah. So there's a safety in it. Yeah. Did you have, like tree houses and did make sure, forts, forts and shit? Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at because all this shit going on in North Korea. I was looking at fallout shelters just for fun. I have nowhere to put a fallout shelter, but. It's amazing, you know, they've got these, uh, they've got these... I have nowhere to put a fallout shelter. Nowhere. That's funny. The whole concept of putting a fallout shelter somewhere seems funny to me. Well, it's insane. Well, the thing I think that you're circling around here yeah. is that 
every when it comes to materialism, everything's connected. Right. So you you usually in a when you become a materialist, you you don't you can't just have one thing. Right. You can't, for example. You need a place for your thing. You, if you have a computer, <laughs> you're gonna want the internet. Yeah. And and to have the internet, you're gonna want probably a phone that has wireless yeah. or. You're gonna to want to go to like cafes, but then you're gonna to want to drink coffee at the cafes. That's the least. More yeah. likely, you're gonna you know need an apartment. You're yeah. gonna to have to get the internet installed, right. Right. and then, so everything kind of starts connecting right. to itself, which I think is really interesting when you consider the idea of how like the Earth formed, which is apparently uh, dust started hitting other dust, and that mm. over millennia i guess created mass which drew more stuff to it which drew more stuff to right, it right and then you see this pattern repeats right even like, on the things living on the earth right, after the earth right. evolved we're still accruing shit and the more shit you accrue the more shit is probably going to stick to that shit yeah it's true it creates a gravitational effect that's right yeah, yeah that's yeah. right and that makes you heavy, man. It and no does. one wants to be heavy. <laughs> yeah, and it makes it. And the more shit you have, the harder it is to like break out, break out of orbit. You know, break through that gravity. You're in an field. avalanche of shit. Yeah. And, and this is there's a great book. You should interview her if you could ever get an interview with her. It's called The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Have you heard of this book, Marie Kondo? Yeah, but wasn't that book originally written in another language? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Japanese. Yeah, I was just. Like a week ago, I was in Missoula, Montana, and I was with one of the minimalists. Oh, Have you ever yeah. met those guys? The two guys, the minimalists, they've developed this whole... There's a documentary about I them and them. a website. They're cool guys. I've had them on the podcast. They're like two buddies who were working in some tech, a phone company or some shit like that. And, and like one of them like lost his mind and was like quit and the yeah. other guy's like are you crazy and then he started like you noticed how much happier the guy was he they did this thing called a packing party where they packed all their shit up even though they weren't going anywhere they just packed as if they were like going or That's moving cool. right and they left everything in boxes and then as they really needed things they would find them and unpack and, and find smart. the thing and then at the end of three months, everything that was still in boxes... That's it. Get rid of it. That's like the same... It's, it's a similar... Um, it's a similar technique. And it, it, the book, it's a, the, maybe the worst name I've ever heard for a book. The Life-Changing yeah. Magic of Tidying Up. It's like yeah, a yeah. shit name for yeah. a powerful book. Yeah. But uh, one of the things the book says is if you do what this book says, you will never be messy again. You'll never be messy. And I... Because mm. I used to... I spent the first probably 38 years of my life as a messy person mm. and I thought something was wrong with me like oh I must have ADD or something must be fucked up because I always have like piles of shit around right. always a mess right. so this book is like no no one is like broken the problem is when people are messy they don't know where their things go because they have so much stuff so right. they don't know where their stuff goes right. so the premise is uh, what you do and the other thing it says is like when people go, start cleaning, they they end up doing like like this closet and this closet and this closet. So what you do is you start with your clothes mm -hmm. and you look at all your clothes because everyone has too many clothes. Yeah. You don't because you're you're becoming a super minimalist. You know what? I do though. Oh, you do. That's a weird thing. I I packed my shit in the van for this trip. Like people don't know how people know. I'm on this trip, right? On yeah. this, like, 
And I packed a bunch of clothes. I got a backpack. I've got like these nets hanging in the van. I put some clothes in there, whatever. I've been gone three and a half weeks now. I've worn three shirts. Yeah. And two pairs of pants. That's it. Yeah, you don't need a, you don't need a lot of clothes. I got a bunch. I got like shit. I have. I don't even know what's in there. There you I, go. And it's in a van. Yeah, there you go. Man. Well, this is the problem. Yeah. You, well, so the answer is, how do you pick what clothes to keep? And so what she says is, you go through every single item of clothing you have. The process takes like a couple of days. Yeah. So you take all your clothes, and you be, and you look at every single item of clothing, and you and you hold it, hmm. and you ask yourself. Does this make me happy? Yeah. Do is it you know like I like this shirt? Yeah. I wear the shirt all the fucking time. It's my favorite shirt. It makes me happy. Right. When I look at it, it makes me happy. When right. I wear it, I like is to it wear flannel? it. It's flannel. It's, it's just you know whatever nice. my brain likes this shirt. Right. Right. So and these pants, I love these fucking pants and these shoes. I love these shoes. But and they, Patreon supporters see what Duncan is referring to right now. What do you mean? <laughs> because oh, of yeah, the video. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Forgot. Yeah, I forgot the video. So anyway, the point is. I had all these clothes that not only I would never wear, but they bummed me out. Yeah. Funeral clothes, like clothes I wore to like a funeral or like clothes I had to wear to somebody's fucking wedding. Do you have pants that don't fit anymore, but you're thinking someday... I'm going to lose the weight! (laughs) Which, yeah, right. Those those bum me out. Get rid of them. (laughs) So like what you do, so you get, so anything that you have, as far as clothing goes, where it doesn't make you happy, where the hoarder part of you is thinking, oh, in the future, I really might need need this fucking thing. No, you don't need it. So you get rid of all of it. And if there's a thing where you're like, I'm going to take it, I got to take it to goodwill, but that's keeping you from getting rid of it, throw it the fuck away. She's like hardcore about it. She's like, get this matter out of your life. It is holding you down. It's metaphysically fucking you up. Every time you look at it, it's fucking with your head because it's like, you know, if you're the fat thing, you're looking at it, you're thinking, oh, God, man, what's wrong with me? Why can't I wear that anymore? You're, it's fu- the matter has cursed you. So, right. you. so what you end up with these glorious piles of clothes on the floor. And you look at your fucking clothes that are left. There's like four things, yeah. maybe yeah. five things. And they all make you feel good. And they're awesome. Yeah. It's your favorite clothes. Yeah. And then she like, it's really cool because this is like J- Japan, the masters of organization. They, they like, she has a way of hanging it so it makes this cool like you... You can hang it in a way that makes this cool little like diagonal line that looks awesome. I don't do that, but mm. uh, so you get rid of your clothes. Then the next step is books. Mm. Same fucking thing. Same mm. thing, man. Your books. If there's a book that you keep thinking, I'm gonna read this one day, or you yeah. half read it. Yeah. She says like she she's a what do you call it? Where everything and what's where everything has a spirit. What's that called? Uh, animist. Animist. Yeah. So the other thing I forgot with your clothes is. Not only the clothes that you have left, when you're folding them, you thank them. You say, oh, thank you for keeping me warm, or mm. thank you for like like keeping my feet protected or right. whatever. So you start this like loving relationship with matter. And then, so with your books, same thing. If there's a book that you're not gonna fucking read and you know it, you think, this book taught me something, which is that I'm not gonna read this book. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get rid of all your fucking books too. Yeah. So the only books you have are your favorite books, right? right? Right. And then the same thing for your keepsakes, like the bullshit that you like are clinging on to is some kind of like your mementos. Same fucking thing. The next thing you know, you have gotten rid. I mean, we got 
like I can't even you can't imagine how much shit I ended up throwing away. This is after you moved to New York. Before New York. Oh, before. This is like, we're moving oh, to New York. Good, Let's good. pare it down. So we I got rid of probably seventy percent, eighty percent of my possessions mm. and uh like a garage filled with shit. Yeah. That I to- I called my friends, I was like, guys, got a garage, Come there's TVs, it. there's desks, there's everything. My burner friends came in, took all the shit to their compound. Uh, and now I've got really like barely anything. Like mm. my, that stuff, my tripod, my suitcase, my clothes, I could almost name what I have. Right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And now I'm clean. Right. Because if you, if you don't have much shit, how are you going to make a mess? Yeah. When something's out of place, I just, like if I have a book sitting on the table i know where that book goes it's a it's the it's probably my fucking frank book or uh the jim woodring book or i mean i know mostly what books i have now i have added on some shit since i got to new york that i have to pare down again but anyway the long and short of it is matter is cursing your ass it is crushing you and you know what it's at least for me it goes beyond matter it's uh it's digital my you look at my laptop they're probably 30 tabs open right now. Yeah. There's there I've got Pocket, I've got, you know, all these all these um apps that save shit for later, save yeah. this document. It's so many things I'm going to read later. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Same it's like what you're just saying with books, but it's digital. So it's not it's not taking up physical space, but it's taking up mental space. Mental space. I know it's all there. It's all waiting for me. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. get to it or like you know, my inbox has over 400 messages with a red flag, which means highest priority. You got to deal with this. Over 400. Kill yourself. I know. You have no just, choice but to kill yourself. That's pretty much what it comes that's down what Marie to. Kondo says. <laughs> If she says in the book, if you have over 350 red flag messages, Does you have she to do that? yeah, samurai style. Yeah, like you have yeah. to fucking disavow yourself. Style. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's funny we're talking about this because I'm wearing this shirt right now with these fish on it. Cool shirt. Uh, and this shirt really makes me happy because uh, I was in Costa Rica a couple months ago. I was with my buddy Kyle. And uh, he came, he was wearing the shirt at breakfast one morning, and I was like, yeah, "Cool shirt, man! I like that. It's like kind of goofy and yeah. but cool, funky at the same yeah. time." And and he was like, "Yeah, I like it. Is whatever." And then he got up and he left, and a few minutes later, he came back wearing a different shirt, and he handed it to me. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Now you got like, a magic shirt. Like, yeah, I mean, he actually took it off his back and handed it to that's me. Beautiful. Yeah, so I love. Yeah, this shirt really does make me happy. Yeah, man. You know, I just uh, I met one, this guy Kent last night. He's my friend Pendleton's friend. And like, you know, when you're hanging out with somebody and you start realizing like, oh, you're a genius or something, right? Mm. Like, I didn't know him, but it's like, he's like really smart. He does this VR podcast, but he's like really into mathematics and he's really into, uh, there's a form of yoga that's based on mental processes. Like, you know, bhakti yoga is about love. Mm. Hatha yoga is like the body yeah. poses. I, I practice, I should do yoga. <laughs> that's Have a power. That that's one? my dude. I'm a master. <laughs> I'm actually a black belt, and I should do yeah, yoga. Yeah, it's really good. I teach it too. Yeah. I teach very expensive classes. Yeah. But uh, he, he was telling me that um, uh, 
he was telling me that when you, so there's a book called, you probably read it, this book called Sacred Economics. Have you read this? Oh, yeah, David uh, Eisenstein yes. or something. Yeah. I got to read it, man. Yeah. But he was talking about, uh, so gifts. So he's talking about the, the different ways that we trade matter. And, you know, one of them, capitalism. I, if your friend had been like, oh, I'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. Right. You're like, all right, I guess so, weirdo. Here's 10 bucks. Thanks for the shirt. I right. guess you need money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's a closed right. transaction. Right, right. Nothing's going further. He, you don't need him anymore. He doesn't need you anymore. Right, right. Then barter is kind of like, I'm, hey, well, dude, if you like it, man, I'll give this to you. But someday get me back with like right. a cool article of clothing. Right. Well, now there's like this hanging transaction there or something. Right? right. But when you give someone something with no expectation of anything back, what you tell someone is, this friendship is just beginning right now. Mm. It's going to go on and on and on because I'm giving you something right, now. Right. And it's like a way, it opens up friendships. It opens up, dude, I had a this guy, Robert Ryan, on my podcast. You should have him. He's fucking cool. He's this famous tattoo artist, sweet guy. But he brought over to my house, he had this Shruti box, which is, you ever seen one of these, like a squeeze box? You, mm. If you listen to Krishnadas, when you, mm. when you pump it, it goes, mm. it's a cool thing. But anyway, he brought this over. I thought he just brought it over to play music on the podcast or whatever. I was looking, I was like, man, that's beautiful. And it's like, oh yeah, I want you to have it. And then it's like, what? This beautiful fucking thing? Are you kidding me? What? You really? Well, he said it's like a permanent loan, you know? But yeah. that was like, a, that's, now we're, that, oh, that made our friendship magical. Now I have this magical item mm. that this mystical tattoo artist gave me. It's imbued with power. Mm. And it's like, it's such a cool thing to do. It's such an easy thing to do, to yeah. give stuff to people. Yeah. And when you give stuff to people, you relieve yourself of the karmic burden of that item too. And you yeah. give a person this, this magical, th imagine if you only own stuff that was given to you. Right. Everything magical, everything connected to someone who loves you. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, Duncan and I are going to Burning Man in a week. That's right, man. <laughs> Gift I forgot. Economy, Gifting right? economy. Yeah. yeah. Shit, I got to yeah. find something to give, man. What am I going to bring yeah. from New York? There's a, there's a Buddhist expression I love, which is everything is lost except what is given away. Oh, that's so true, too. Yeah. So fucking true, and, man. And a similar one, it, it sort of expresses the same sentiment as this African expression, which is uh, the best place to store extra food is in your friend's stomach. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> is that great? That's beautiful. Because <laughs> it's got that same sort of idea. It's like, you know, I got you covered, man. I love you. You're, you know, it's... Plus, you don't have to chew it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's warm it's pre-warm so pre-chewed yeah. you store it in there when you're ready you just fucking punch them in the gut give me that fucking hamburger <laughs> I'm ready I'm ready <laughs> so what's going on dude last time I saw you was in Pasadena yeah. and then like there was this you know I thought I offended you somehow because two weeks later you moved out of the fucking state <laughs> You left. I gotta get away from Chris Ryan. I, I show up. I'm like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move to L.A. and be near my friend Duncan. Gotta get the fuck away. Can't from wait Chris. to hang with Duncan after all these years of sporadic hangs. Yeah. And then you're gone, gone. like a thief in the fucking thief night, man. You gave yeah. away your shit and you blew out of town. I did. Yeah. I once had a debt collector call me in Spain 
And uh, he was like, I was like, yeah, sorry, man. I live in Spain. I'm not going to pay that. And he's like, you can't just, what's the expression? You can't just uh, jump the country. <laughs> and he's like, you can't just jump the country. I was like, I jumped it, man. I'm out. What are you going to do? Come, come get me. <laughs> what did he say? He, he, he was like, well, you can't do that. I was like, I did it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It was some disputed credit card thing that, you know, sure. I'd been fighting them for. Sure. And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck off, man. Yeah. I mean, all right, my credit will get screwed. I don't give a shit. I live in Spain. Yeah. You know, I don't need your American credit. Yeah. Of course, now I'm back in America with a fucked up credit rating, but that's all right. Brutal. You know, because credit is like this debt. It's like this, uh, what we're talking about with uh, material possessions and the the data stuff, like all my tabs that are open. Debt is another form of that. It's another way of you being tied into shit. So, I mean, my credit rating is kind of fucked up and I could fix it, but I kind of like just living on cash. It's clean. I don't need, I don't need a mortgage. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like a, the, it's an, it's an, it's really a, a, a crazy form of voodoo. It's capitalist voodoo. And, it, yeah. and it's like, I guess it's like a capitalist karma. Your credit scores, your karma in a capitalist country, it replaces your ethical, moral community contributions with a kind of like weird number based on your ability to repay massive corporations and to give them interest for the right. debt that you've accrued. It's like when you go to a casino and they're like, hey, welcome to the casino. Like, you know, have some free drinks and like, here's, here's 500 bucks in, in free chips. But where it gets really interesting though is like if you start knowing how to, how to, like really wealthy people are, like once you get to a certain level of credit, this is where capitalism becomes really insane. And you know how to manage debt, you can borrow huge sums of money invest those huge sums of money in things that have even the slightest amount back more than the interest that you're going to pay on the debt right and you can start playing with the debt right and making very low risk investments with very low returns and yet still you are you are like beginning to so what you're doing there is like you're starting to you become like a parasite on the corporations that are have become a parasite on people who can't repay their debt. Well, that's what the entire financial sector is. Yeah, that's right? it. Yeah, it's, it's making money on other people's money. Yeah. with no risk. It's magic. Yeah, it's it's a form of like vampiric magic. Yeah, which is yeah. where you like. So it's like, behold, the glowing cube of Norax, and then people see it and they're like, oh my god, a cube of Norax! God, I want that cube! And you're like, you could have the cube of Norax, but you must. You know, you borrow from me, right. and I will give you the cube of Norax, a monthly payment. Yeah. You will enjoy the powers of the cube. People will see the cube and know that you are doing well. People will see the cube and know you are a success. You will have power from this cube of Norax. And you're like, fuck, man, I'm getting that cube. Yeah. And then you get the cube, and now you're paying back this warlock who gave you the cube of Norax with like soul points or something. 18 <laughs> soul points a month. <laughs> It's all. That's it's all. all. At the end of five years, the cube yeah. will be yours. Yeah. But the end of five years, the yeah. cube is disintegrating anyway. Within a couple of months, you're like, I fucking hate this cube. Yeah. No, this cube isn't doing shit for me. 
It's when, heavy. I'm showing it to the ladies, and they're just like, whatever, dude. I don't fucking cheesy-ass Cuban Norax. Nobody fucking likes that shit. You got a Cuban Norax, big fucking deal. You're a dick still. Now your yeah. soul's disintegrating. Yeah. You're in debt. Oh, and boy. this is magic. And, it's, and every time you turn on the hypno-rectangle in your fucking apartment or house, yeah. and the warlocks appear, behold, buy the newest cube of Norax. Yeah. And everyone's like, fuck, I gotta get that cube. Right. The and last then, one didn't work, I need the new one. Yeah. The upgrade. It's magic, Like, and, and what's the beautiful evolution of magic these days is that uh, nobody thinks it's magic. The sorcerers have cast the ultimate spell upon the planet, which is the final and greatest, God, such an incredible working, which is that none of us even can recognize magic anymore. So most people have been blinded to magic. They don't think it's real. They don't think it exists. And because of that, they are completely being held in the hypnotic spell of some very powerful sorcerers. And that's the West. That's what the West is. It's mostly just a country of people who have been completely hypnotized by sorcerers or yeah. by people who've caught on to that hypnotic spell have shaken it off and are becoming sorcerers and uh and and that's pretty dark too because you know that's that's where you start running into like a lot of like crazy celebrities or just sorcerers who are using this like what's called a city have you ever heard that term city s-i-d-d it's, it's a in uh india it's a term for potencies that you develop from like mm. discipline so mm. You know, like supposedly people can walk through walls. I don't know if that's true or not, but telepathy. Some people are like right. have gained that ability, or some people can apparently <clears throat> um, touch you and put you into a trance. I've seen that um, here in the West. You can see that evangelists have that city where they'll go to a person and touch them, and their eyes will roll back and they'll start shaking yeah. because they're fucking with their pranic field or something. But. Uh, uh, there's other cities too, and one of them is the hypnotic spell that you get placed under anytime you see like a symmetrical person performing. That's a city. It's like when you see like a great pianist and you're watching and the energy coming out of the music is so spellbinding and you look around and everyone's like, uh, oh, it's a spell. That's a sorcerer. He's using a power, a potency, <clears throat> yeah. and it's a healing potency. So anyway, this is where we're at right now in the West is it's like the golden age of magic and nobody believes in magic. It's so funny. It's so You know, cool. yesterday I was, you surprised me a little bit yesterday uh, because you and I have talked about these big issues a lot. Like every time we get together, this is what we talk about, yeah. right? Uh, which is one of the reasons I love hanging out with you. We, go, we go right to the fucking heart of yeah. shit, right? Um, but your, your, your take on things has darkened a bit <clears throat> since the last time I saw you. Um, you know, because you and Joe and I would have these conversations and I always felt like I was the downer at the table, you know, where, you know, Joe's like, it's the best fucking time to be alive, yeah. man. You know, look at, you know, he's got this Hobbesian sense of prehistory, you know, the struggle, you follow his Instagram feed. It's all every time it's like a shark attacking something or a polar bear ripping something apart. What does he say? Nature is a, cr a cruel bitch. bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nature, you cruel bitch. Uh, so he's sort of like that's that's prominent in his yeah. vision of the universe and life and stuff. And I, I felt like I was the guy saying, you know, things are kind of fucked and they're getting worse and civilization isn't isn't paying off. It's not following through on its promises and all. This. And I felt like you were like, yeah, but the future technology is going to be so yeah. great. And it feels like you're not really 
that down well, with it anymore. I'll, I don't know. I'll tell you. Here's the thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Whenever we get together, we play a funny game. What's that? In the game or in the past. And yeah. the game has been like, I'll present some kind of like, you know, probably not very pragmatic idea of like the future, right? Right. And that kind of puts you in the position of having to be like, dude, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> so yeah, in that yeah. live podcast, I realized what yeah. I was doing is like, oh, what happens if like, and I wasn't like manipulation or anything, but I, in retrospect, I think it was just more like, all right, let's let Chris Ryan be Ram Dass. Let's flip it. <laughs> and hear what he has to say yeah, about what, yeah. what we can do. And, then, and right. then what you were saying was very beautiful. And afterwards, people were coming up and telling me like, it was so wonderful. It's so real. And so what came out of that last night, I think, hopefully, was like a very like beautiful, you know, a question mark, a very beautiful question mm. mark. But there was some hope in there, too, because what right. you're doing by living right now and the way you're living is a message to the world. Mm. And the message is through action. Right. And the action is an action of like, look, man, look what I'm doing. I'm I, I'm living in a van. A, a, a position that in the past has been completely stigmatized by Western society. I've given up my attachment to a great many things. I like the van. Now I'm experiencing nature, the beauty of nature. And, and I, I've gathered that's what's happening to you. And as someone right now is like living in New York and is in like a very metropolitan, busy place, who am I to talk about? Like, let me tell you the light of the world. I'm not swimming in rivers. So I thought, oh, let you sing the song right, this right, time, right. you know, instead of me trying to sing it like, and I'm not saying like I'm living a corrupt or depraved existence. Yeah. It's just uh, there's a piece of me that would like to be rolling in the van with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's that's the thing. Have I become darker? No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe, a, I, but I, I do think that I have adjusted my um, forecast a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's hard not to, I mean, with what's going on. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's crazy to have. And have you heard there's a radio lab uh, called nukes? Have you heard that episode by any chance? It's incredible. It's, uh, it's about this guy. It focuses on this guy who worked in a missile silo. If you know, he's a missile launch technician or something. And uh, talks about, this is back in the 60s, I think. Um, he's in Kansas or somewhere out there. And there are always two guys down there. They both wear a sidearm. And they have to, to launch the missile, they have to turn these, they have codes, and then they turn these things at the same time yeah, yeah. on two different sides of the room. So yeah. one guy couldn't, like, shoot the other guy and then turn both. Right. Right? And so they were, they were at a training, and this guy said... Uh, you know, like he asked a question. He's like, "Okay, there are all these safeguards yeah. to stop us from doing something wrong or whatever. What are the safeguards upstream from us? You know, from the president, let's say, right. down to us. What are the safeguards there?" And the teacher was like, uh, "Write down that question." And he so he wrote it down and he submitted it, and then he was kicked out of the military. Wow. Uh, not nothing explained why a dishonorable discharge out right. So he'd been out for like 20 years. He became a truck driver or something. And, and these guys found him and interviewed him. And he was like, I never really understood what happened. I don't know why. I just asked the question and suddenly I'm out. And so they decided to investigate. 
And what they found was that Truman, when the, the first atomic bomb was dropped on Nagasaki, I guess, or Hiroshima, I guess, was the first one, uh, Truman hadn't approved that. He'd been told that they were going to drop it on a military, um, oh in, you know, a military uh, base mm. or something. And when he saw that all those civilians were killed, then they dropped it on Nagasaki. And then they were going to drop a third one. And he, like, got the Supreme Court justice to come in and stop them and, like, do all this shit. But it was out of his hands. It was a military decision. Yeah. So then they changed the procedure to say only the president can order a yeah, nuclear yeah. strike. But here's the thing. The president can order a nuclear strike, but nobody can intervene to stop yeah, it. Yeah, I know. So that's why the guy got in trouble, because the chain of command is the president says launch a missile, you launch a missile. There is no upstream verification or anything yeah dude it's fucking nuts yeah we got a problem yeah and we've had the problem yeah and it, it's it's not a it's like a it's a problem that went away so in our minds we thought we were post with obama you mean yeah like everybody was just kind of like oh that the old that's crazy people used to have bomb shelters and they used to do the, right. You know, you pass a fallout shelter sign and you're right. like, wow. Those were the days. Duck and cover. Crazy fucking days. Yeah. And meanwhile, <clears throat> the, the sort of the, the thing that we're running up against here has been articulated in probably seven different ways. It's been festering. Yeah. yeah well, but yeah. the event that we're approaching. Oh, uh, yeah. So we're approaching yeah. an event. Yeah. In the next, hopefully... It won't be as soon as it probably will be, but let's, as a conservative estimate. I like that phrase. Hopefully it won't be as soon as it probably yeah, will be. But let's say 100 years. Uh -huh. 100 years. Uh -huh. Humans are idiots. Yeah. Most people. And, and then one way, they're not, I mean, obviously humans aren't idiots, but one way that we're fucking completely addled is we look, think about 100 years and we're like, whatever. 100 years. Yeah. I'm going to be long gone. 100 yeah. years. Who cares? So we don't yeah. think in those terms. Yeah. But it's like, in, within 100 years, we are going to have a, a artificial intelligence indistinguishable from a human intelligence, probably several orders of magnitude more advanced than a human intelligence. We are going to have a rise in sea levels. We are going to have unprecedented... Uh, unprecedented changes in our climate yeah we are going to have completely unpredictable things within this right something within that's going to happen right well these regional like the refugee crises that are going on right now no are, i mean i think insane. we're going to discover like alien life oh, i think oh, we're going to like there's yeah. going to be a fucking a thing that ha i there's something is going to happen that's all we know and it's going to be so weird and so extraordinary that it is going to permanently transform this planet in some way or another. Now that is going to be a nuclear holocaust. That is going to be uh, an artificial intelligence holocaust. That is going to be an artificial intelligence renaissance. That is going to be the discovery of an advanced galactic civilization 
that has been concealing themselves from us until we get through a certain period because that's what they do. Mm. The whole thing could be organized. It's going to be something that no matter which way you look at it, it's apocalyptic in the sense that it's transformative to a degree that no one will be who they were after the event. And this is coming within the next hundred years. That's not crazy talk. That's not Nostradamus. Look at it. Look at the fucking geopolitical situation. Look at the trends in technology. Look at what's happening. Hundred years. So we are. I think the only thing that's crazy about that is a hundred years. I'm thinking ten. Listen, man. I I, you know if if the the good thing when you make a crazy apocalyptic prediction, (laughs) set it after your lifespan. (laughs) Because you're thinking, I won't be here. I don't want to be here when people are like, you were wrong, bitch. It's everything's the same and it's 100 years. So, like, it's a cowardly way to prognosticate the end of the world. Set it like, but then but then the other thing is this, man, where it gets really fucking weird, when, you know, that prognostication and thinking in terms of the, my lifespan is like, well, there's another problem. Yeah. We are fucking breaking down the genetic code that makes us human. And and they're they're you know having great success with gene editing right now. Yeah. So it's like the other th- wheel that's spinning here is we're gonna they're gonna be fucking programming babies. They're gonna be programming you if you want if you have the dough, and we're gonna run into this brand new form of aristocracy, this brand new form of of cl- class division, which yeah. is we already have it. You know when I went to. Oh, man, I went to a pill doctor because I wanted to... Did I tell you this? I wanted to write a book and I went to a pill doctor to get a speed prescription because I've been reading like, fuck, Kerouac uh, was on speed. Everybody you on wanted speed. Adderall or something? Yeah. yeah. And so I go there. My friend had a pill mill doctor who's since been shut down. I went to... He would just give you anything you wanted. So hmm. I went to him and was like, I want to get... I forgot the name of it. My friend had told me some new form of Adderall. And he's like, all right, well, how much do you should I prescribe to you? He literally asked me, I'm like, you're the fucking doctor, dude. I don't know. And he like Googled it on his phone. (laughs) And he's like, all right, well, I think this is the amount. And he just randomly prescribes me. So I get the speed, take it back to my house. And oh, wait, before, but anyway, that's a different story. What he told me was, um, the problem with this right now is that wealthier kids can afford this and so the wealthier kids are getting better grades right because they're on these like the doctor's telling you yeah he's like they're on nootropics essentially so these kids are focusing better the kids who can't afford it they're getting shittier grades because the rich kids are on speed and the poor kids can't afford it and it's creating a class division based on um pharmaceuticals it's actually making these kids more successful members of society based on the pills that they're taking so anyway, I went back and got on speed and like for three days played video games. <laughs> just flushed <laughs> Didn't it down finish the, the book? Flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> but, but so <laughs> this is the other thing that we're running into here is what's going to happen is very wealthy people are going to start buying uh, new medicines that are going to make them younger. Mm. Do you know about the blood transfusion stuff young blood you know about this i've heard of it is it real it's miraculous yeah apparently with mice you put young blood in them and they their bo- their muscles rejuvenate they become more social they become more like youthful hmm. and well, why is that you know and and it's obviously it's something in the blood 
there's something in the blood that that they're not sure what it is, but they're zeroing in on what that is, mm. which apparently comes from God. What's this ancient gland in your brain? It's called the a thalamus. It's something like that. Yeah, it's some. It's basically they're fine. What they so what I read, and who knows, this could be bullshit. Uh, they used to think that aging was related to a bunch of different processes. And now they're realizing like, oh fuck, it just appears that there's a gland in your brain that secretes this stuff that gives rejuvenating signals to your body and it stops secreting it as much. And that's why the young blood is making people younger is because that chemical is in the blood and it's like Mm. activating, it's telling your body to do something that it stopped doing. So anyway, now we're looking, now imagine this, Trump, right? Or any of these fucking oligarchs for like a million dollars Two million dollars, five million dollars, ten million dollars. You just they, squeeze the pituitary of a young person. Makes them twenty-three. Yeah. Now we have a. T- not only do we have a problem with like uh, unequal distribution of wealth, but now our fucking billionaires are going to live to be seven hundred years. <laughs> oh, and now <laughs> how rich are they going to be then? They're not going to fucking die. Yeah. So now we're running into that yeah. interesting difficulty. So there's all these like things that are just manifesting right now and we as a species can feel it yeah we feel it in the same way like animals feel it when there's about to be a fucking quake yeah we can fucking feel it man people are feeling it now the water's getting hot enough they're you know it's like the frog is like wait a minute this shit's about to boil. You yeah, know that thing about yeah. how to boil a frog? Yeah. The frog's like, shit, this is getting kind of hot right now. It's not true, though. You know, frogs will jump out. Yeah, that seemed like a bunch of crap to me. Yeah, James Fallows, uh, this writer for The Atlantic, had a big deal where for weeks he was, like, you know, highlighting all these examples of people who were saying that and, uh, you know, trying to debunk it and get that meme out into the culture. But it's a, it's a metaphor. Who gives a shit? I mean, I had a cool experience with a frog. Yeah, what? I was with a friend. Uh, this is a long time ago. Uh, we were tripping at night along a stream in upstate New York. And I had uh, one of those mini mag flashlights that you can focus the beam when you turn the thing, yes. you know? And we were along the stream, and there, were all these, there was a frog that we saw. And it was like not a toad, not like a fat bleh, kind of thing. Yeah. It was like one of these, like, ah, I'm a fucking frog, you know, yeah, like yeah. really like aerodynamic or aquadynamic yeah. or whatever the word is. And and because of the light, I could I sh- could shine the light right on. My friend decided he wanted to catch this frog. So he went down by the stream. And when he would like be right just about to grab the frog, the frog would jump in the water. And then I could like follow it through the water with the light and see where it came up. Wow. And then he'd go over there and, and just like, ah, it just wow. it, it just knew the minute he made the move, it yeah. was like out, right? And so then uh, he he's like, oh, fuck it, you try it. And, and he took the light, and I went down, and I like caught frogs when I was a little kid. So this was like, oh, I just catch frogs. But um, just as I was gonna like go for it, I was, you know, I had this this thing where it's like, if I really go for it, I'm probably gonna hurt it. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to like go really fast and yeah. grab hard yeah. and it's going to be slippery yeah. and I'm going to hurt. I don't want to hurt this frog, no. you know, and I'm tripping, too. So I'm really yeah. you know, tuned into this. So for some reason, I just I put my hand in front of the frog flat and this frog just stepped up onto my uh-huh. hand. 
It was amazing. And then I like lifted it up and my friend came over with the light and we just held this frog between us with his light and it was like translucent. You could see its little heart beating yeah. and it just sat there on my hand and we were like, well, that's yeah. fucking wild. And then put my hand down and he just got off and it's swam so off. Cool, man. Yeah, and it, I, I mean, that was 30 <sighs> years ago probably, but you know, it stays in my memory as one of those beautiful moments where I learned something really important and I try to like, I think of that a lot in terms of like women for example, you know, jobs, money, a right. lot of stuff. Like, yeah, the, you, you know, cool. if you don't try to, if you try to grab it, you're going to hurt it and you'll end up yeah. with a mess. Yeah. But if you just like say, hey, I'm open to this if it's available, a lot of times people will be like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, Here it man. is. You know, that's one of the, gr- yeah. yeah, that's it. No one wants to do that. Everyone wants to grab the frog. Well, and, I mean, it gets into this voodoo you were talking about, this, this yeah. dark black magic that we're surrounded by that's telling us, grab the frog, go out and hunt some frog, grab the frog. And it's really hard for people to, to like tune into their, their instinct, which is, I don't want to hurt the frog. Right. I just want to hang out with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, how many people who are running around chasing, you know, women and love and, you know, trying to, what are they trying to get? They're trying to be loved. You can't force someone to love you. No. It's, it's a self-defeating, you know, it's like looking for darkness with a flashlight. You can't, yeah. it, it'll never work. No. But the culture doesn't explain that the best way to, to find what you're looking for is to stop looking for it. Fuck no. A magician never reveals his tricks. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, when like, especially lately, people are like, you know, you you might not realize how fucking racist you are. You yeah. saying this to you? Yeah, to to people in general. Uh, like, you might not even know that you are like, in, like incredibly, deeply racist. Uh, and an example of that for me is um. Like with ayahuasca, you know, which is a medicine that uh, people make pretty in- incredible claims about. Mm. You know, indigenous people have been using it. Right. It's a cure for a lot of different problems. But one form of this crazy racism is these people out there, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know, not like in the West with our medicine right. that works. Right. This is bullshit. This is the delusional thinking of jungle people yeah you know what i mean now i'm not the, i might uh, that that voice isn't really in my head but we brush we brush off that stuff we brush off everything they said which for example is the shamans talk about how some shamans become sorcerers and they sh- try to kill each other they are at war with each other they shoot like darts at each other they go into each other's dreams and fuck with each other and we discard that it's irrational, superstitious nonsense, right? I think that's racism. I think it's like, oh yeah, they live in the fucking jungle. They've got brown skin. They wear feathers. They can't know what reality is. And it's like a really deep racism. It's deep, right? And, but, and I think this is in your book. Uh, all of these ways of living, we act as though they're they were like a phase or something, you know, like, right. you know, and all their thinking, right. all the thinking that life plants are alive, 
that the universe is alive, that there are entities surrounding us at all times. Yeah, it that, was the childhood of humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we think, man. And, and the cost of that is we have abandoned a technology. You know, we've abandoned a technology. It's like if we ran out of electricity and there were fucking phones lying around and people were just like, and they used to believe that these could communicate with each other. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Superstition. Superstition. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, what? yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, it's a really important question to ask yourself, which is, uh, am I in the control of a sorcerer? Mm. Am I being controlled by a sorcerer? Right. And ask yourself that, and you're going to think for a second, dude, shut the fuck up. What is this, fucking Harry Potter? But just ask yourself that. Are you controlled by a sorcerer? Yeah. And you probably are, and you don't even realize it. You know, you, you, do, are you worried about the money you owe the bank? Yeah. Are you worried about the money you owe your credit card company? Are you living in a way that doesn't make you happy, but you feel you can't change it? Yeah, dude. And that's Who most did people. that to you? Right. Who told you that? Did Because so, what ends up happening is people get a very convincing... So uh, the way the sorcerers look is they're your best fucking... I'm spinning. <laughs> they're your best fucking friend. Yeah. And they're fucking convincing, dude. Yeah. So you get around a really powerful sorcerer and they will tell you what you can't do. That's one of the first signs you are in, under the spell of a, a sorcerer because yeah. they want to control your power. So if you have some idea of something you want to do whatever it may be, that make music, I don't know, do comedy. Yeah. They might be like, shut the fuck up. You're not funny, dude. Really, you're going to do comedy? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, that's a spell. Right. They're casting a spell on you. It's a spell they're already under. It's a contagious spell. Right, yes, that's you know? right. They might not know that they're doing the magic, yeah. but it is a power-based form of sorcery. Some of them do know. Some of them... They, some of the way that they do their magic is by pretending they don't know. Hmm. That's one of the tricks that they do is because they can be more convincing if they've convinced themselves that everything they do is spontaneous or whatever. So they've like mastered this form of like accidental suppression or something. <laughs> <laughs> accidental suppression. Yeah. So what are you doing in New York? Are you doing stand-up? Yeah, I'm doing Speaking stand-up. Speaking of comedy? Doing stand-up, doing live podcasts. But it's not just that. It's I mean, I just... I was in LA for fucking 15 years, 13, yeah. I don't know, too long. Yeah. And um, why? Why was I in LA? I don't want to be on TV. Mm. I have a, I mean, not, by the way, when I say that, it's not as though like TV's like banging down my door or anything like that. But I mean, the reason to live in LA if you're a comedian is because you want to be on TV. Mm. And since my podcast started, becoming my job yeah. and my obsession and these kinds of conversations and interactions, my peak experiences in life, I found myself um, just recognizing like, well, you need to do something not dull, man. If you're like gonna do a podcast, like you can't just stay in one place and right. fester, right. you know? And so, uh, it was like adventurous. I came to New York for this psychedelic conference, ended up in Brooklyn. I'd only been going to Manhattan in New York 
up until that point. So I fucking hated New York because I'd only been going to Manhattan. Right. So my idea of what New York was were these fucking massive buildings and just like dudes in suits and fucking rat race hell. <laughs> you know, so I was always for years, I was just like, fuck New York. Yeah. Why would anyone live there? Yeah. It's hell. But then I, you end up in Brooklyn, and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing, man. This is a this series of beautiful villages and multiculturalism and fucking everyone's like really cool and smart and just like a lot of people. A lot of people walking around with books. Mm. You don't see that in LA. In New York, you will see people walking down the street reading a fucking book. Yeah. Dude, that's cool, man. That's cool. That's like, not only that, but it's just like, it's really one of the most beautiful places I've ever Mm. lived in. So uh, anyway, I got turned on to New York and then came back. And my girlfriend used to live in New York and mm. so then we started talking about it. I was like, fuck, why don't we just like try living in New York? Yeah. Then when I called my friend Ari, who's like the most honest person on earth, and you know, I knew I, if I asked him should I move to New York or what does he think, he would just tell me. Right. It, you know, he'd be very honest. Straight he'd be like, up, don't yeah. fucking do it. You're gonna hate it. Yeah. But he's like, Yes, come. You'll love it. And and stay in my apartment. And he let me stay at his apartment for yeah. a month. Yeah. So it was beautiful. So yeah, yeah. that's what happened. It was just adventurous. But now, now I'm feeling like, ah, ah, the van, the Chris Ryan life, you know what I mean? And so it's like, now I've got another, like, dark, like, now I'm wanting to, like... Yeah, it's funny, uh, you can become, like, acquisitive of less in a weird way. You know what I mean? It's like spiritual materialism in some kind of strange sense. Well, uh, can I stop, can I just say something that just popped into my head real quick? Sure, of course. So this beautiful story of the frog climbing into your hand right well I think one of my fantasies is that all of us there is an outstretched hand this is for lack of a better word is the hand of God right outstretched to us not grabbing not smashing just an open hand Mm. and you start getting drawn into this thing right and you take little steps towards this beautiful, perfect, loving, harmonizing intelligence that exists in everything. And so, and, and the stories and mythology are so cool because they're always like stories of someone being told, go do this thing. And they're like, I can't fucking do that. That's crazy. Being called, you know, come, 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 come. So anyway... Uh, you go to New York and then when you're there all of a sudden all this other stuff now now that you're there you start meeting other people and having conversations and connecting with other people and getting inspired you know so anyway I guess what I'm saying is you gotta let your, you gotta like climb in you gotta keep moving towards that hand you know as preposterous as it may seem you don't wanna just be like shivering in fear in your little pond dodging fucking sorcerers or trying to grab you go towards that thing that's calling you even as weird as it may be so yeah fuck i moved to new york but now it's like shit i don't need to live in new york i don't need to live anywhere my friend chris ryan he's he's in a van he's in paradise and i'll tell you me and cora we almost did it Mm. we were on we were looking at rvs dude we were going to rv park or rv dealers checking out used rvs yeah getting really in like are we going to do this are we going to well, do you know, our mutual friends uh natasha and moshe are, are in a camper 
Yep. Uh, he and I like share camper porn together, you know. Moshe was helping me because I started like, because Natasha told me he's like an expert on RVs. Yeah. So I started like sending him like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Right, right. Yeah, but but then uh, we made the opposite decision and we're like, let's go to fucking New York for a bit. Well, you know, what you should probably do is uh, at some point borrow my rig or Moshe's awesome. rig and just spend a month on the road and see how you feel. Be awesome. You know? Because it it's, doesn't need to be either or. You can have a home base in New York. Right. You can you know let a friend stay at your place in New York. Right. You guys take off. That's a good idea. We could do yeah. a swap. If you want to come live in New sure. York. Sure. Yeah, I love New York. I have a great yeah. apartment. Yeah. You'd love it. Yeah. Little garden. I lived in New York for three years in my 20s. In Manhattan, though, it was like intense. It's I was too in much. Midtown. Weird place to live. You got to... Man, I've got this... One, it's like right by Prospect Park. Mm. I got a bike you could borrow. That's the other thing about New York. I don't have a fucking car anymore, yeah, dude. Yeah. I just have this bike and yeah. I ride the bike around, man. And right. like, you know, it's like I've lost a little bit of weight because you're always walking. It's part of your life. It's yes. not like, oh, I got to work out. It's four. Yeah, yeah you're that's... you're constantly like, you're like, yeah. and, and, and you you realize like, oh my God, the car, this thing that you were talking about, you're like when I, Chris... I don't know why I'm looking at the camera. <laughs> Chris is a very sweet guy, as you guys know, because you listen to his podcast and you love him. Hi. But, uh, and he's, he's he, he, because he's now in the flow, he's giving. So I, I had to switch hotels because I fucked up because I'm a stoner and like 80% of the time when I get plane tickets, I fuck them up. Really? And even when I'm buying them, I'm like, I'll look at it and be like, I know I'm going to fuck this up, but it looks <laughs> right. And then sure enough, yeah, you're a day extra. A day. But anyway, uh, I, I was texting Chris and telling him I've got to move hotels. He's like, oh, just take my room. Casually, yeah. oh, just take my room. I'd rather sleep in the van. Yeah. Dude. You don't even, like, this is the thing. The more connected you get to the flow, the more you start acting like a saint. And everybody's like, oh, we look at the saints and we think, uh, and I'm not calling you a saint, by the way, <laughs> but, like, we look at the saints, but we look at the saints, maybe a sage. I'm a saint who will fuck your wife. That's what Why I... Why do you, like, you fuck so many wives. Dude, I'm never going to get married. Just so you won't fuck my wife. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but, but, we <laughs> Why do you like fucking why? Is that, is that like a fetish for you? No, no. It's just, it's just. Why wives? Great. It's great because it's like, it's like, it's like, I don't want. <laughs> How can I talk about this? Uh... First of all, it's a construct. <laughs> it's a construct, right? Uh -huh. A wife is just like a silly, yeah. like it's a funny I, title. Let, like let me put queen. it this way. I would never, I would never have sex with a married woman behind her husband's back yeah you like him you want him to watch <laughs> uh, anyway let me go back to calling yeah. you a saint before oh, yeah, you talk yeah, about yeah. fucking go back to that, fucking people's fucking wives <laughs> jesus christ chris uh, um so we think about the uh by the way, man, a lot of saints fuck people's wives. I but made well, much that's money the thing. on that. That's but, the um, thing, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> when we look at the, a, a saint, as we call it, uh -huh. people act like... I think a saint, if you met a saint, would be quite surprised that you thought they were a saint. Right. And they would also, like, not want you to ever call them that. 
and they would just be like, this is just how I am in the universe. Right. Birds land on me. Right. I don't know. It's this is just I feel good a lot. Like right. and I really love the world. It's it yeah, I can see how from their perspective it's like uh it, it's almost selfish. It's like like people who look at someone or if, I get this shit all the time. People are like, "You're so free, man. How did you?" It's like I I don't feel like I've accomplished something. I just feel like yeah. I somehow escaped the you know a lot of traps that people fall into but for me it feels selfish right well because you're getting the hedonic pleasures of of nature exactly and, and exactly. that's so much more than what and the, and the hedonic pleasures of the game are are fleeting and empty and super expensive and so yeah. my thing has always always in life has been like maximize pleasure minimize work you know, like work as something Blasphemy. that's not fun. I know, exactly. You have uttered. <laughs> exactly. In the old days, like, to be blasphemous, you would, like, have to break into a church. Yeah. Come on the fucking communion wafers. I've done feed it. Feed it to a fucking lady laying on the altar. <laughs> and then, like, fuck her at midnight <laughs> in front of her husband. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and then you have committed some, like, great blasphemy. Yeah. These days, if you want to commit a great blasphemy, mm. sit, just say what you just said. Right. You know, I think I would rather have fun than work. Yeah. How dare you? Of course you would. Yeah. Everyone wants to do that, but right. that's not the way it is. Right. We work fucking Grow eight up. hours a day. Grow the fuck up. Yeah. You work eight hours a day. Yeah. You, you and, and on Saturday too, motherfucker. Yeah. Don't take weekends off like the plebs. Right. You want to know how I got you where I'm You want to get at? ahead? Yeah. Yeah, I got where I'm at from fucking eight hours a day. Did you see that commercial that was on the Super Bowl a couple years ago? The Cadillac commercial? And the dude's like walking through his house and he's like, yeah, you know, in France they get four weeks off a year. Well, we in America, we get things done. And he's like walking through and his kid walks by and he gives him a high five. And he's uh, like, and it's all like this, you yeah. know, asshole. Yeah. Ad for asshole America, you know? Dude, if you... It, just, oh. it, watching a car commercial oh. is like going to the Pentagon, opening up your mouth, right. and letting <laughs> Satan just shit in your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> because it's like, first of all, they're not selling cars. You know they're not selling cars. They're, they're selling, selling reality. Debt. No, they're selling debt. Oh, uh, debt. You yeah, know, like yeah. most things that you see on... Yeah. That are being advertised yeah, are subscription-based. You know what I mean? It's like... When you see a thing being advertised, it's going to be like, um, what are the what are the commercials that you most you don't watch TV that much? Do you? No. Do you remember the commercials that they mostly show? Well, I, I watch sports sometimes, so it's trucks and beer is what I see a lot of. Right, subscription based. Right. So they, or so I watch MSNBC, you know, like Rachel Maddow or something, and then it's all um, old people shit. Medicine. Medicine. Yeah. So yeah. these are subscription based. So it's like. You're, uh, you're very right, rarely going right. to see a thing getting advertised that you're only going to buy once. Uh, so it's going to be a high, a super addictive antidepressant. Right, and if you stop right. taking it, you shit your pants and like fall down on steps. And have a mass shooting. Uh, yes. It's going to be a, uh, a car yeah. because the car is like not how they're making their money. They're making their money from the, the loan that you take out to get the car and the interest on the yeah. loan. You know, I went in to buy a car. I've only bought one car in my life. And I went in with... $20,000 in cash in my pocket because yeah. I thought that was going to help me like cut a better deal yeah. where I'd be like I've got I've only got 20 grand you're going to have yeah. to come down that's like, 
I put that cash on the table and they were like, oh, you're going to pay for it? And they were so, they were like, oh, well, in that case. They hate it. They hate it. They don't want money. They want debt. That's exactly what you said. When I was in fucking Hawaii, I rented a car in Hawaii the last time I was there at like budget. I don't remember which place it was. Some rental car place. And the guy tried to like hard sell me on insurance, but I already had insurance. Right. I bought it through Priceline or some shit. I'm not going to wreck the car. I'm yeah. driving it to a hotel. Right. Then I'm going to lay on the beach for a week and I'm going to drive it back. <laughs> like right. the odds of me fucking wrecking this car are, are pretty pretty slim, man. Yeah. So I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I already got insurance. He's like, yeah, but I don't know if that insurance works. And I'm like, yeah, it's through Priceline. I think they, it works. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm pretty sure. I just want to get this car. And he starts getting really mad at me. And he got so mad that I wouldn't get the fucking car insurance. That he's like, maybe I'll see you out on the beach. Like he was going to attack me <laughs> on the beach for not getting insurance on my car. Right? And it was like, I'm like, fuck, maybe I should get insurance against you, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, Give me really. a beating. Really. But like, but the reason he was so pissed, order. that's how he made, that's the that's rental car companies money. are making yeah. money through fucking insurance, yeah. through yeah. bullshit. Yeah. The car companies are making money through debt. Yeah. The pharmaceutical companies are making money through addiction. Right. So when you're watching TV, the commercials you're seeing are things trying to lure you in so that they could put a fucking hook in your ass. Right. A little manacle, a little like finger manacle on you. Like, yeah, yeah we got you a little bit, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, this is like, one of the cool things about augmented reality and terrifying things about augmented reality, if they perfect the technology so that you can display around you some kind of indication of who you are and what you're into, like we do on our Twitter profiles or with our cars or with our jewelry or with our fashion choices, if you can create like a digital representation of who you are <clears throat> with augmented reality, then theoretically there could be there's going to be like a way that you can like have like a credit crown or something where if people see you there's like a glowing if you have perfect credit you get the you get the delta credit crown or you get the you know what i mean or and yeah. but the other thing is if you could when you're seeing someone walking down the street if you could visualize their debt around yeah. them in yeah. ar yeah. is chains stretching out you know right. oh fuck here's a chain attached to the fucking company yeah. that makes Xanax. Here's a chain attached to Pfizer. Here's a chain attached to Bank of America, the mortgage. Here's a chain attached to fucking BMW right. for their fucking car. Here's a fucking chain attached to the IRS. You would realize like, oh my God, humans are like those whales with lampreys stuck on them. Yeah. Only the lampreys are fucking corporations, yeah. man. Just, Just sucking, sucking our blood. Sucking the blood, baby. Sucking the blood. <laughs> Demons. I'm going to stop this camera because I I don't know how much better. See you guys. Uh, so, yeah, Patreon viewers, this is where the video ends. But check out the rest of the podcast. Let's see. God bless you. All right. It's <laughs> oh, I'm down to eleven percent. All right, that's good. All right. Um, so, uh, what the fuck? I, I'm sorry, I interrupted us. You didn't there. Interrupt. It was a good flow. I just didn't want to lose that. You Whatever. Know, if the battery ran out. We're talking about freeing yourself from your demons. Free your mind and your ass will follow. Listen to Father Ryan you know? in the Church of Freedom, my friend. <laughs> he will exercise you from your demons. Hell the man yeah. used to be crawling with demons. He never were. But he, 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 he's freed himself from the capitalist. Slay the demons. Yeah. Actually, years ago, talking about me as a as a saint uh years ago my like my the, the 
don't want to say my best friend. That's a weird phrase, you know. Get all my friends yeah. are my best friends, but uh, the guy like I've known since I was fifteen. We I taught him to drive. He taught me to smoke weed. We shared a girlfriend for a while in high school yeah. in a weird way. Um, anyway, really close friend knows me very well. Very different from me, like religious upbringing. Very good student, very careful, you know, responsible young man kind of kid. And uh, anyway, he's an engineer, makes a lot of money, has kids, you know, the whole thing. But one one time I was visiting him, he was living in Paris. This is when I'd been traveling in Asia a lot and backpacking and stuff. And we were out throwing a football in the in the uh, what is it called that palace, the uh, the Versailles. We yeah. Took a football and we're throwing it. And anyway, he said, you know, Chris, I've been thinking about you. I think I figured you out. Like, I know what you're, what you're about. I said, what's that? He said, you're, you're an anti-monk. Mm. So what's, what do you mean? He said, well, monks seek salvation or wisdom or whatever through a renunciation of yeah. sensation. And you seek it through immersion. So you're like traveling around the world, doing all these drugs, having all this sex, yeah. you know, doing all this stuff. But you're not just like fucking around. You're looking for something. Yeah. You're just looking for it by diving in rather than pulling out. Yeah. And I, I think he's right. I mean, not to take myself too seriously. And, and, and a lot of it is just I just like hanging out. I just like having fun. Right. I mean, everyone does. But I do feel like there's. Like the things you're saying make so much sense to me and always have that that this since I was a kid, I'd look at American culture and I just thought this is a fucking scam. This yeah. whole thing is a scam. And yeah. I don't fucking buy it. Ambition. I can remember, you know, my dad would give me an allowance to cut the lawn and, and, and bless his heart, man. He would like. Because I was so bad at it, he would like buy me like first there was a self-propelled lawnmower, and yeah. then there was and then he bought me this riding lawnmower. So I'd like go out and ride around, and we didn't yeah. like have a farm. We had a fucking suburban house, and yeah. I'm like riding around, and I still did a shitty job, right? <laughs> and I can remember him taking me out. I must have been 11, 12, 13, something. And I remember him taking me out and showing me like, look, you didn't trim around this tree here. You left this patch undone. Yeah. And he he wasn't giving me shit, but he was like trying to instill. A work ethic. Yeah, sure. It, you know? And and I remember him looking at me. It, my dad loved me and, and was a wonderful man. But like, I remember him looking at me and saying, like, Chris, don't you, you're going to do this. Don't you want to do a good job? Like, don't you? Yeah. Like, and, and I said, Dad, it's just going to grow back. You know? Like, who cares? Yeah. And, and he looked at me like, I just don't understand you. And yeah. it wasn't really disappointment. It was like, you're a different kind of species. Yeah. You know, because my dad was all about, you work harder than the other guy. You know, maybe you're not as smart as the other guy, but you work harder and you'll do well. And, you know, he was... In, yeah. In, and I just like, man, eh, I don't think so, dude. I mean, I'll be dead before we know it. Yeah. And, you know, and then that'll just be a waste of fucking time. You're a Taoist, man. I guess. Or a Tantra. Who knows what you are, man? But it's a form of, you know, in ta you know Tantra, of What course. about you? Are you ambitious? I mean, are you, is, are you overcoming stuff? Or is this, 
emerging from deep within you or what what were uh, you like as a kid Did you, like when you got into comedy were you like i'm gonna be a fucking star no oh no do you, do you like people get into comedy or seeking attention is that it were you seeking attention approval no i what happened is uh i mean i'm sure some level of you must be or you wouldn't do it but like uh no i ended up it was all accidental man i moved to la uh, because I was thinking, like, what would be a cool city to live in after college? Degree right. in psychology? I didn't do... I never thought I You're would from do... from Charlotte? Asheville. Asheville. Hendersonville, Asheville. Oh. I never thought I'd do comedy. I'd been funny, and I could make people laugh. I knew I could do that, but I'd never been like, oh, I'm going to do stand-up. Never in a million years. Really? So, like, we you know, like, you hear some comedians tell the story of, like, I knew from the moment that I... Yeah. Heard Bill Cosby that I would be a right. It's like, yeah. Jesus Christ. You must have fucking great parents or something, man. Like, right. if, I, if I if it told, which I never did, but if I told my parents I'm going to be a stand-up comic or I'm going to try that, they would be just like, don't. Yeah. Anyway, so I moved to L.A. out of a, um, just, I thought it would be fun. I, and, and, and then uh, I ran out of money, so I had to get a job. And my crackhead landlord had like taken me on this stupid West Hollywood crack tour where he was just high out of his mind on crack. Like passing the House of Blues, like that's the House of Blues. Like really like taken by the House of Blues. I remember you just being like, that's where they really party, man. Like it's fucking House of Blues, what are you talking about? But at the time I didn't know, I was like brand new to LA. Anyway, we drove by the comedy store and he was like, said, oh, it's a comedy store, famous comedy club looked cool it was the fucking hand i was the frog right you know it looked cool and i remember like as i was applying for jobs i walked by the comedy store and i remember fucking photographically touching the building feeling the energy of the building and like i was like i'm gonna go in there man try to really? get a job yeah really? and you were just looking for any entry level whatever. any job just... got a phone job got a job working the phones right Right. And uh, and Mitzi, the owner, called and was like, "Are you a con? Hey, honey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the store. Are you a comedian?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I'm a comedian." And she goes, eh. "She had the she has the best laughter. She's like, eh. well, you never know, honey." <laughs> and then, <like, laughs> and, then uh, and then and then like so I like they're comedians and you get three minutes of stage time. Right. At the open mic. So you were working the phones, people calling for reservations, yeah. that kind of thing? Fucking Polly Shore walked in one day. I'd never met. I mean, like, I used to sit in my friend's trailer huffing butane gas out of plastic bags watching Totally Polly laughing our asses off like fucking street kids. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. This is so funny. And fucking Polly Shore walks in. It's like, holy shit, man. Polly Shore, the wheeze is here. It was, so, was mind blowing. And like, uh, but so I had. You get to do the open mic at the comedy store. You have to do. You have to stand in line for eternity, and then you only get three minutes, and maybe you don't get picked. So, what made you want to do the open mic? You're you're there. You just got a job. Oh, because this is what happens if you were an employee. You get to do three minutes of stage time. You don't have to wait in line. Every Sunday, you can do three minutes of stage time at the comedy store. Because most people who apply for a job there want to be comics. They want that stage time. But you didn't. I you wasn't just, doing it. You just it. wanted a job. And comedians, they were like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. They're like, you're not, why aren't you taking your three minutes? I'm like, I don't fucking want to do three minutes of comedy. It sounds like hell. 
sounds like hot hell. Yeah. And they were like, no, just, you know, just try it. Right. Just try it. So I did it. So did you have three minutes of material? Dude, I wrote some awful bullshit. Do you remember what it was? Oh, it's terrible. I was trying to be so fucking smart. And like, I was trying to be like artistic. Uh. Oh, dude. It was really embarrassing. But I, I, I did it. And I got off stage and the waitress, who at the time I became like enemies with for like a year. Uh. And now I love her so much. We're friends. She's like a sister. I love her. She's That's the cool thing about the comedy store. It is your family. But... uh. Her name's Eleanor, and uh, she's so funny. But I get off stage, she's standing in the back. She's like from Philly. She is fucking mean as a snake, dude. I get off stage, she looks at me and goes, I I don't know what I just saw, but it sure wasn't comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the beginning, dude. And then I, I started doing it and doing it and doing it and loving it. And then, and uh, but wait, 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 I mean, I don't want to interrupt you, no, go ahead. but but like you're jumping over these really important moments, like so you do it, she totally disses you, yeah. When you got off stage, were you feeling like that went well? Were no. you getting laughs? Felt terrible, felt terrible, felt like you just like excruciating pain, people aren't getting it, just kind of like you know, like any bad set, you're just like, oh, that was fucked up, man. It's you feel so- naked out there, you feel humiliated, yeah, you Oops. feel like a, you're, a, you're, you're a public failure, yeah, you, you failed publically, yeah, you've, uh, it's the thing people fear most. Well, it's an open mic at the comedy store, so it's like, I don't think the people in the crowd are expecting to see any kind of like great comedy that night, you but, know? but they're hoping to. There, there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are like people who are just comedians watching, or people because right. it's interesting to watch people start learning how to do it. And, uh, okay. But anyway, like, um. So why did you want to continue then? So what happened was, the I kept working there, and I, I, it was again. It wasn't like, man, I'm going to keep doing comedy or not. I was like, oh, I'll try it again. I know it sounds. I mean, it's. I, I honestly was not like. I, when you're in around comedians and you start realizing this is a life that you can have and it's a real community and it's a real thing it's a beautiful thing yeah uh i guess the moment where i was like all right i'm really going to try this was uh, uh i became the runner of the comedy so i had to drive the comedy store van around i had right. to drive mitzi around in the van and i was like driving around this comedian freddie soto Making him laugh, man. Making comedians laugh oh, right. feels fucking good. I've been making him laugh. Dude, really I hard. made you spit water last night. It's a high high point <laughs> of my life. Well, I was, that's a great. It's like a cool <laughs> feeling, you know. Like, it is. And I and, and uh, I was making him laugh, and I'd been making him laugh because I was working in the ticket booth too. Mm. And like I, I had this whole gag with him. You'll like this gag where I was like, man, I don't want to seem weird, man, but it'd be an honor if you would if you would fuck my sister. And like, 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 he thought I was serious. He didn't, I don't have a sister, but he's like, I don't know, man. That's her over there. I was just fucking with him. But then when he realized that I was fucking with him in that way, it was like, wow, he thought, you know, comedians like getting fucked with at that level. Uh, And then, uh, and then, um, so anyway, I remember I was pumping gas into the comedy store van and Freddie Soto said to me, hey man, why don't you just try try to be a stand-up comedian? And I was like, I don't think so. He's like, listen, just you're funny. If you, just try it, 
it's going to take you eight years, ten years. <laughs> oh, man. But then he's like, how long is it going to take you to get a PhD? Right. If you decide to go to grad school, how long is it going to take? Because that's what I was thinking I would do, probably. I'll just go back to school, get a PhD in something, mm. you know, become a psychologist, psychiatrist, maybe. And uh, he's like, you know, the debt. Think of the debt. You know, just try this. This can work for you. This could work. Might not. Could. That was when I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a fucking shot. And then that's mm. when I started doing it. And then Rogan saw me doing stand-up. And then he started taking me on the road. And then he put me on his podcast. So so that's how you and Rogan hooked up? He saw you on stage? It was one of my favorite moments of comedy, man. It is, uh, I got off stage. I'd had a good set. And fucking Rogan, like, hugged me. No shit. And was like, that was really funny, man. And, and like... Uh, that's great. And that was like a big moment in, for me personally. And then uh, he started taking me on the road. and um, He's so fucking cool. I mean, yeah, everyone knows it. Yeah. But, I mean, you've seen it up close. I've seen it up close. He, he's so generous with what he has. He loves sharing it. He yeah. loves. He's like everybody's big brother. He's you know? the sensei. Yeah. He's the teacher. Yeah. Um, for a lot of us, man, and yeah. like, and he, he he's done like like from many comedians. Yeah, yeah, is, you see it. He's always got like a new crew. He's taking around. He's you know that's what he does. Always man. talking them yeah. up and you know yeah. just spreading the love. He blows it's, you up. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know, and that's what he did for me. Put me on his podcast enough so yeah. that in my podcast, I mean, it's like many many people are like, I started listening to your podcast because of Rogan. <laughs> Tell me about it. You're you too. Fuck yeah. So that's like, and then and then that's the, you know, that's where I'm at now. Yeah. So that's a, it's a weird circuitous route there, but ambition? Yeah, man, I get ambitious sometimes and I try to get it the fuck out of my system. Right. If I'm like watching and I see like a comedian who's got a special, I don't have a special, if that starts hurting me, you yeah. know, or I'm like, God, what the fuck, man? You, what the fuck? Yeah. Then I, then that's when I have to be like, okay. Yeah. That's when you're grasping. Don't grab the frog. Dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now I have a term for it, yeah. but it's like, you know, that's when you have to be like, just let's fucking calm down yeah. and let's like be in the moment right. and look at our lives. And things will and, happen the way they're supposed to happen. Yeah. If, and also just kind of like you have, your job is, you have a, my job is doing what I love. It's amazing. So to yeah. think that like yeah. Satan like hops into your head sometimes yeah. and it's like, but that's not enough. Yeah. You must. You can't you, be happy. You must. Madison Square Gardens. <laughs> you must. You know, like that's, that's the devil. Yeah. That's Satan. And that's not to say that we shouldn't try to perfect ourselves or can continue like to develop. Like all of that's true. But fuck, yeah. dude, I, if, if some, if I'm watching someone do something, I don't want to be watching them do it because they want to like have success. I want to watch them do it because they fucking love it. Right. You know, I, I right. want to watch someone doing something that they're just in the moment of doing. Yeah. Whatever it may be. So, <clears throat> yeah, that is um. When it comes to ambition, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think when people describe me, that's what adjective they use very mm, often I, yeah. I wouldn't imagine that they would use that yeah adjective how old are you 43 do you feel like you feel successful yes yeah yeah i do i mean i i am yeah i'm i am i yeah. I, w I would i i think that i am i mean <laughs> I'm, i'll tell you this look you're doing what you love 
you're making a good living. You can live anywhere you want. People love you. There's a lot of love and meaning flowing into you and out of you. What the fuck else is success? Yeah, I, and again, the word is so ridiculous. I, you know when I feel fucking successful, man? You know what I think success is? It's when you jump in that fucking river that you were describing on your podcast, and it's cold, and it's the morning, and you realize this is all I need. Mm. For me, it's like sitting in this hotel, sitting on this little ledge, looking out over Portland, chanting Hare Krishna, feeling that warmth of, this, of, this, of the vibration of the mantra, feeling the presence and the connection. That, to me, is success. That feels good. Yeah. That is not dependent on subscribers or advertisers or agents or managers or anything. Yeah. And, and, and if there was a Satan, I know I keep saying Satan, but what would Satan want to do? Satan would want to get between you and become the middleman of all things. Right. He, Satan would want you to think that he was a necessary component in your happiness. Right. And this is what the world does. Right. So you're like, fuck, if to be happy, man, I guess I've got to like be I need to be on a TV show. I need to uh, have like a fucking like killer comedy special. I should probably be doing movies. I should uh, I guess like I should have done it by now, man. Why haven't I done it by now? I should be doing these things. Like, meanwhile, like, I can piss standing up. I can walk. I can breathe. I can feel. I have friends and a, and a, and a wonderful lover and a beautiful ha- apartment. I live with sweet fucking dogs. And, and to think that my mind even temporarily gets distracted from feeling gratitude for all of these things yeah because some dark part of myself is holding a carrot in the future being like come take this then you will be happy i can't think of anything more vile and blasphemous than that that is so dark that's so fucking dark can you imagine like being with someone and they're seeing through you to some future place yeah. where they're perfect and you're just a little you're just a little fucking you're just a little thing in between them and that place. They're seeing through everything. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. That's fucked. And and also it's just like, man, we have this air. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah, you can yeah. this is it. The thing, yeah. this is it. These conversations. Yeah. And so, yeah, I have to... But but when you start getting the fucking... I don't know, there should be a word for it. When you start squeezing the frog, you know, you, you just need... This is like the mindfulness practice. So you yeah. can be like... Hold on. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, like, wisdom is such a cliche. It, it gets back to what you were saying earlier about how people we've become so accustomed to the black magic that we don't recognize it as magic. And we're so dissociated from the light magic, the, the beauty, 
that, yeah. that it's like, oh, you're going camping. Oh, yeah, okay, camping. It's right. all dusty and dirty. And, yeah. and But then you get out there, and it's like, you know, I've been, I've been sitting next to campfires for three weeks now. And I think I might have mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned last night or whatever, but before I went, I downloaded a bunch of shit on my laptop, a bunch of TV shows yeah. and movies and, you know, things uh, that I normally watch when I'm home. I haven't watched anything. Nothing. I brought a bunch of books, yeah. a bunch of old New Yorkers I want to catch up on. I've been out three weeks thinking, I'm going to be bored. I'm going to have so much time on my hands. I haven't read anything. I haven't looked at anything. I've spent every night looking at that fire. Yeah. Get up occasionally, walk away from it, and look at the stars, smell the pine tree, smell the smoke, walk down to the river, you know, jump in the river, get back out, go up and stand by the fire and dry with the warmth of the fire on my naked fucking body. That's all I've done. And that's all I want to do. Dude. It's just like, and, and I, you know, I'm saying the cliches, it's like, it truly is these simple things that are fulfilling. It truly is. Well, you know the song, right? Which one? <clears throat> Quaker Hymn. No. I'll sing it for you in my uh, shitty voice. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Before I sing it, just add on to what you're saying. When you f- get that feeling you're talking about, Ram Dass... I used to think that feeling was Christmas. So when I was getting that feeling, I'd be like, this reminds me of Christmas. And uh, I always was like, why does this remind you of Christmas? And well, the reason my brain was like spitting out Christmas for those moments of like, this is amazing, is because Christmas is going home when I was a kid. Uh, right. And because it actually what it feels like is going home. Right. So when you're with back with nature again, it's really a very sweet, kind of bittersweet feeling if you've been separated from it for a while that's right because it's like going back to your best friend your mother your dearest lover right something that loves you more than you could ever imagine where you belong where you belong yeah and it's this incredible fucking feeling of coming home this is the prodigal son you know the kid goes out and like gets fucked up in the world and then comes back and the father is like you're still my son I'm going to give you everything that's what the world so the simple gifts is this Quaker hymn if when you hear me fuck it up as I sing it you guys just go look it up because there's like people can actually (laughs) sing it sing it but it goes like this sometimes I actually I'm so embarrassed and cry when I sing it because it's so beautiful but it goes Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where you ought to be. And when you find yourself in the place just right, you'll be in the valley of love and delight. Then then there's more to it, but that's the essence of it. Isn't it, isn't it cool? It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, wait till you hear it with, like, you know, a violin behind it. I, I like it that way. Oh, God. It's, how does it go? It goes... When true, okay, it goes... When true simplicity is gained To bow and to bend we won't be ashamed To turn, turn will be our delight Till by turning, turning... 
we come round right. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> conversation as much as i did thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com you can decide how much you want to give the podcast a buck a month five bucks a month ten bucks a month or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more or you can give nothing if you don't have any cash don't worry about it just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends thank you to basin and range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast very funky little tune there uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search Tangentially Speaking, all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, thanks to Shore Design T-Shirts. Our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those T-shirts out to you if you order them. Everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design T-shirts in Thailand. And you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at Carsey Blanton. 
Carsebelt.com, C-A-R-S-I-E-B-L-A-N-T-O-N.com. She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear, which is called Smoke Alarm. And it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can, because, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die one day. Here's to you, Bennett. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone, I don't wanna give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a It's a big deal If you want to be free Say what you want to feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground